Podcast Internal Monologue. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the Babylon 5 Season 4 episode, Racing Mars. So this is a uh, nice little, uh, I wouldn't say filler episode, sort of a gap connection episode. The last episode was catching up with certain things going on with the Mimbari and Dalin and that entire situation was rather quite dark in places. This episode, um, while it has one particularly dark and disturbing element, for the most part is uh, lighthearted, um, continues certain plot threads, uh, and uh, gives us some interesting revelations. So it's sort of the calm before the storm, I guess, because uh, we're, we're getting in the high gear of uh, the rest of season four. Things are going to start moving very quickly. So there's really like three prongs to this episode. Uh, the uh, Sheridan uh, stuff, the Ivanova stuff, and then the Marcus and Franklin stuff. Uh, so let, let, let's uh, let's discuss uh, the Ivanova stuff first. So this is really, really smart. Uh, you know, Earth is doing that blockade and starting their, you know, their economic warfare and their propaganda warfare against uh, B5, and things are getting pretty dire, uh, they need resources, uh, you know, certain things are getting through the blockade, uh, and so uh, Sheridan uh, and Ivanova come up with a plan that's actually rather brilliant, which is, we know there's a criminal element on Babylon 5, there's been a black market here forever, uh, there's smugglers all over the place, let's contract them. And, and, and uh, what is really clever about this is that you know, Ivanova makes no bare bones about the fact that she knows they're criminals and she's more than willing to, you know, let that slide if they'll help. But if not, she'll let them go down. Um, it, it's sort of a quid pro quo situation here uh, where they smuggle supplies through and you know, get the, the, the supply lines going and... Uh, B5 gets its resources, they'll, you know, maintain their ships, give them a fighter escort uh, in certain sectors, uh, and uh, basically keep them protected from EarthGov. Uh, but if they don't help out, well, she's going to conveniently release the information that could very well get them caught. Uh, so, you know, she, she's got them in a vice grip, uh, and, they, and they really have no choice but to comply. Uh, it's whether they're stupid or not. And it's a really smart way to get around it is using uh, the criminal element, the element that you know you can never get rid of, you can only control, uh, and turn it into a positive. Turn it in not only into something you can control, but something you can now use to your advantage. A very, very smart move by Yvonne over there. Now, the Sheridan stuff... Uh, is very, um, except for when he deals with Garibaldi, um, is, is very lighthearted. Um, though, uh, something ties in, uh, with something else, the Marcus Franklin area, which I will talk about, which is the, the, the blocking of the channels, but I'll get to that in a minute. Like, you know, Sheridan's been basically told, ordered by Ivanova to take a day off. Uh, you, you know, you're stressing out too much and he can't figure out what to do. Uh, he's the kind of person that's, that's a workhorse. He's got to go, 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 go. And, uh, now that he has rest time, he's trying to figure out what to do with him himself. And then he has, 
the run-in with Garibaldi. And, um, you know, Garibaldi said some stuff back in The Illusion of Truth um, that wasn't exactly hurtful, but it wasn't, it was not exactly um, well-mannered towards Sheridan. And his was the only interview that was not edited. And Sheridan's confrontation with Garibaldi is something I relate to a lot, especially recently. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to get into specifics because, uh, you know, the privacy and all that stuff. But I had a friend who uh, said some really nasty things. And when I confronted them on it, their response made no sense. Uh, and was mainly platitudes and anger and vitriol and uh, nothing make it was coherent at all. And I gave it to some third parties, like told this argument and gave like uh, like transcripts of the situation. And everybody was like, "This makes no sense. This person uh, clearly is going through some stuff and needs help." Um, you know, and that's what Sheridan and Garibaldi situates at, is that Garibaldi is entitled to his opinion. Hell, that's entirely what that war, you know, was fought about. Uh, you know, the Shadow War was the, 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 the ability to choose, you know, free will. But he has a duty to not expose certain things. Uh, and he's, and as Sheridan says, you are entitled to your opinion. I do not, I do not have a problem with that, but you publicly voicing it in a way that can hurt the cause. That's the problem. And he goes and he's like, please explain to me why you have this feeling. And Garibaldi stonewalls him and is like, no, basically like you have a messiah complex and blah, blah. And everything he says is platitude. It's, 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 nothing but fluff words he says nothing of actual substance he says that Sheridan has a messiah complex but he gives no proof for it uh and only later in the episode where someone comes up with oh you came back from Zahadum you you know came back from the dead but if you notice Sheridan immediately stops that person from gawking over him it's clear that Sheridan doesn't have a messiah complex whether other people have sort of bought into that narrative is another question, but Sheridan himself is not bought into that narrative, and he's, you know, begging his friend to explain why he has this view of him, and Garibaldi is just stonewalling him, just does not give him an inch, does not explain anything, is just full of anger and vitriol, and, and that makes sense where Garibaldi is in his, you know, arc and uh, the conditioning that he's under, but also you have that, like, like I said, you know, when you have that kind of situation with someone you deeply care about, that harms a friendship, potentially even breaks it. And that's what the ha what happens here is that Garibaldi steps over a line and says something that he shouldn't have said, and then Sheridan snaps. And Sheridan says some stuff he shouldn't have said either. And now that friendship is no more, you know, uh, two people that, you know, used to, uh, you know, hang out regularly. Two people that, according to Sheridan, you know, I, I trusted him with my life a couple months ago. Uh, and now he's nothing but a stranger. I barely recognize him. And that, that feeling is so relatable 
to things going on in my life with this particular friend that you know they just became unrecognizable they were nothing like the person i met years and years ago nothing nothing like the person i grew so attached to that they became one of the most important pillars of my life and to have that swept away in a matter of seconds due to words uh and emotions boiling up to the surface that do- that that triggered things that didn't make much sense and in in, in upon further examination was just said with pure vitriol and didn't have any substance but it destroyed a friendship much like Sheridan and Garibaldi's words in a matter of seconds destroyed theirs very you know very very relatable but anyway uh beyond that point most of Sheridan's plot is uh comedic uh you know with uh you know uh, when he's trying to figure out what to do, and after he confronts Garibaldi, you know, uh, Delin comes to him and says, Hey, we need to do some traditions because, you know, it's the Mimbardi and they're obsessed with tradition. She even mentions that there are like 50 traditions before they get married, you know, 50 rituals they have to do. And he's just done with it. And he's like, Okay, fine, I'll do this one, but I think I got to be done with this. And it, it turns out that, you know, it's, you know, not exactly public sex uh or voyeuristic sex but it's uh sex in the earshot of other people and um that's a bit difficult for him and uh, there's no kink shaming here we all have our own kinks uh but uh you know uh that's a no deal for sheridan so it it took some getting used to and then of course that's hilarious scene with him and lanier of woohoo you know great great moments and you know it's it's a way of using Bimbari traditionalism, which has been a massive, massive point of contention and plot point since season one, and really came to a head last ep- or last episode in Atonement, and in, not to spoil anything, but it's going to become a major point here and soon in the next couple episodes. It takes that and then subverts, you know, the usual way of treating it as a serious matter and making it quite a hilarious moment. Um... And really lightens the mood. Uh, now, the Marcus and Franklin stuff. Um, I like how their identities uh, on, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to get on Mars was a married gay couple. Um, and, and this is actually pops up again in Garibaldi's, uh, one of Garibaldi's uh, speeches he gives to uh, uh, Sheridan in that big blowout fight. They had, you know, he looks nothing like the Pope. You know, uh, he doesn't look anything like her. You know, that that these two instances, you know, diversity can be done in a, a variety of ways, and it's all welcome. You know, uh, we need more voices uh, and more people from other other ethnicities, other cultures, uh, that bring new ideas and freshen things up. But this is the future. And uh, in the future... Those problems will hopefully have been solved. Probably not, knowing the human race, but let's just kind of hope that they are. And Babylon 5, despite its touching on xenophobia and stuff, has never made it a point that skin color in regards to humans or sexuality or religion, culture, or anything like that was ever a problem. It's purely the humans as a collective 
against the aliens when it comes to the xenophobian racism being examined by Babylon 5. It's an allegory for our current situations, but uh, posits that we have redirected those emotions uh, and those feelings and that, that horrible barbarity. So, you know, it's just normal that a pope would be a woman and that Franklin and Marcus are a married couple and they're, you know, going on their honeymoon. That's just taken for granted and is normal. And I love that because this is the future and that should be normal. Should just be something that's accepted because, you know, it shouldn't matter. In my opinion, you know, be who you want to be. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. And um, Captain Jack is an interesting character because he is here for this episode. But he actually makes an impact in a way that I always remember him. Uh, and I think that's the strength of the actor and the writing all at the same time. Like, he, he's got a very strong screen presence. He's got some very uh, memorable jokes. Um, and, uh, in, in, of course, the tragedy of the character, you know, he, th there's a lot set up about him so that we can feel sorry for his losses at the end of the episode, uh, with the Keeper. Uh, and in this episode, we finally get some information on how the Keepers work. You know, we, we were introduced to them back in Season 3 and, uh, and War Without End, but we didn't really understand them. They were sort of an enigma of a looming threat in the future that we're going to have to deal with. And then we understand that they sort of uh, go into your neural system and overwrite, you know, your programming, basically, and sort of take control of your brain and force you to do certain things. You're a prisoner in your own body, and there's no way to get rid of them. You you do, you get rid of it, you kill it, and it just grows back. Uh, it's permanently attached to you. Um, and, uh, you know, you'll, you can only see it uh, when, uh, when it wants to be seen or in certain circumstances, uh, you know, uh, things like that. And, um, it's just a scary proposition. You know, um, I, I think the Keepers are one of the darkest, scariest elements of B5. Just the thought of their existence gives me the shivers. You know, they're just, you know, something that overrides your free will to that extent. But, you know, most things in fiction that overwrite your free will, you, they make you like an automaton. You know, a mindless zombie that, that follows orders. Here, you're still yourself. Slightly. You can't do certain things. You must do what it tells you uh, for fear of punishment. Uh, but occasionally, you can act like yourself. Like Captain Jack... Uh, throwing hints at Franklin that things were not right. He couldn't outright say it, but he was able to dance around the subject. And it really shows that you're a prisoner in your own body. And that's just scary thought. Just absolutely scary. But the big part of the Marcus and Franklin stuff, uh, you know, beyond, you know, getting in touch with the Mars Resistance and meeting number one, uh, and getting all that situation sorted out, is that... There's this one really great moment where they're talking to Captain Jack and they mention, well, with the war and all. And he goes, what war? Uh, and that that's a scary like that. That's a scary thought thinking in it, 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 it didn't really compute with you until you thought about it for a second. And went, oh, yeah, of course, 
because as we see with Sheridan flipping through the channels, the only thing that was uh, available for watching was ISA, the propaganda news channel, you know, that, that pumps out nothing but pro-Clark sentiments. Uh, and, uh, you know, news they want you to hear or news that's been doctored and censored. Uh, so, of course, you know, aliens fighting aliens, it has nothing to do with them. They don't care, you know, what, you know, the, the shadows put Clark where he is. Uh, and he knows about the situation, and uh, maybe some other people do, such as Baxter. But th the ordinary citizen wouldn't know, uh, especially on Mars, where Mars, you know, is a colony that wanted to break away, and then they were bombed, and there's a heavy resistance movement. So, like, they're being isolated, just like B-5 is. Um, and this, this brings me to a thought. Um, I don't know if any of you have read it. Please let me know if you have. Uh, but uh, it's a comic series that's still going called Lazarus by Greg Rucka and Michael Lark, being published by Image Comics. Brilliant, brilliant uh, dystopian uh, uh, near-future science fiction story with cyberpunk elements. Very, very good stuff, as with most Greg Rucka stuff. Uh, but there's a particular issue... Yeah, uh, it's an arc that happens over issues 27 and 28 uh, in which we see a character uh, he's on a fishing boat uh, on in international waters in between uh, basically in between these two superpowers these two nations that are currently at war and you know the the only reception they can get on their TV is the adults channel and the adult channel for this particular nation is a propaganda machine. It pumps out pro-authoritative, pro-the-dictator porn. Uh, and that warps people's mind because, you know, uh, porn is, you know, is obsessed with targeting and releasing endorphins in your brain, the pleasure centers of your brain. And so you're naturally going to associate whatever happens to that as good feeling and that's going to slowly warp into brainwashing and reprogramming. Uh, and you hear something enough times you begin to believe it, you know. Uh, and reading that, it just, you know, that, you know, just terrified me thinking about that. Uh, the possible implications of that. And seeing it done here, you know, it, it's just like, you know, they have the, the irony of not being able to know that a war was just fought on your behalf for your right to choose, your right to uh, choose the way you want to live, your free will, and to have that free will, you know, literally be stripped away from you as a result of this and not know about it. It's just horrifying to think about. Um, but anyway, th like I said, this is a nice gap filler episode, getting us caught up on certain arcs and getting everything set in motion to really dive headfirst in what's coming in season four. Until then, I shall see you next time. Bye. Bye.